Well, I'd like to welcome Lorenzo Beltrame to the HP Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Jill. Yeah, we've been chatting for, I've known you for quite a while, luckily. Um, But you've been working in the mental part of the game for a very, very long time. And with the Italian Federation recently, relatively recently. um, They're doing fantastic. What do you feel like has been the biggest impact so far as far as mentality with the Italians in general? Okay, so yes, the Italian Federation is really... a good company let's put it this way it's a good association and uh, uh, there are so many people working so hard to make things happen and uh, you know there is basically a lot of competencies in there and a lot of people doing a, a fantastic job so uh, as been this uh, this success on the men uh, has come from many years before uh, a lot of people put some great effort and now they are, they are collecting and hopefully collect even more in the, in the next future and as far as your profession in particular, yeah. um, where do you feel like you've had the most impact with the with the players? Yeah, well, when I started working with the Federation, it was about six years ago. Uh, so I was invited to speak at uh, um, meetings where younger players were coming. And, uh, you know, the players that right now are at the top, they were younger. And we had a chance to spend time with their coaches, with them, with their teams, and uh, and uh, add to it, uh, add some competencies on how to deal with the um, in-between points time, how to prepare for matches in practice, how to debrief matches in practice, and uh, also um, try to really put this idea that uh, this um, activity, this sport, this beautiful sport that tennis is, is a vehicle to build a strong person. And the stronger the character of the person, the better the tennis players as well. And everybody bought into it in a, in a very enthusiastic way. So we were able to just spread this message all, all across youngs and, and now who is at the top. So, so you're lucky that you get to start with them so young because mm-hmm. that's where you can really build yeah. them yeah. and see their progression. When you say character, how do you start? I mean, where do you even start when you're basically st- like creating a mold, I guess? Yeah, no, I, I, think, I, I think that character is... Um, can be divided into many segments. Uh, there is uh, the performance character, there is the ethical, social character, and I think they're all important. And, and every player has to kind of spend time analyzing what kind of person they want to become uh, on and off the court and uh, build into the space. So I'm, we are not going to try to tell them what's right, what's wrong, but based on what they want, we try to help them move in that direction. So to me, character is basically the uh, automatic version of attitude. So attitude is what we can drive every day based on, with effort. So today I can choose my attitude, right? And the more I choose the attitude that I want to have, the more I build character Mm -hmm. and and eventually becomes part of my normal, let's say, automatic behaviors. And they say attitude is so important because even on those days that maybe you're not feeling your best, it can sort of drive you through tough moments. What's your message to the players when they're having those tough moments on the court mm-hmm. to be able to connect to? Yeah. Well, what we try to do is try to prepare them. You know, I, 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 we, we like to tell them, look, you know, a, a match or a practice is not going to be ideal. There are going to be a lot of obstacles, a lot of challenges and adversities. And so the more we can... Uh, um, anticipate them and, and see them ahead of time and create strategies on how to deal with them, behavioral and mental strategies on how to deal with them, then the more prepared we're going to be. And uh, when they come, we'll be ready to deal with them. So that's kind of 
one of the big. What are some of those strategies? Strategies is kind of behavioral. Uh, so your attitude to me is the sum of behaviors and uh, mm. um, self-talk, if you want to call it that way. And so, let's say on the court, for example, you played uh, at the highest level. You know, there is a, a specific way of being on court that drives performance. Mm-hmm. You know, believe in yourself, uh, determination, uh, enjoyment, if you want. So the body language of a player has to demonstrate those characteristics, and the inner voice has to help you drive those characteristics so in a sense i think athletes are performers just like actors and regardless of how they really feel they have to when they step on mm-hmm. the court they have to create a character you know mm-hmm. and they have to know how to do it and they have to know what they're trying to do with that that, that brings up an interesting question for me because as you're building this player um, and as they're getting better, there's obviously a lot that comes with at the success, wh- whether it's interviews, meetings, nerves, pressure. Yeah. How, how do you manage all that um, from your perspective? I yeah. mean, it's different for the players, but how do you approach the player? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of experience there. You know, we are not young anymore. <laughs> so we've been there. We know what the challenges are. So you try to help uh, the athletes, the up-and-coming athletes with the demands of being a tennis player, which is not just hitting the ball on the court. Everything you said is actually part of the lifestyle. So uh, we have to prepare them to get in and to be true to themselves. Uh, right. So that. So how do you do that? Because that. Can, I'm not saying it can mm-hmm. change your character, but you mm-hmm. do... I've seen some players sort of get, become a little bit more guarded, right? Because yeah. the tension's on them, yeah. so much more tension's on them. Yeah. How do you stay true to your character in, in those moments? Yeah, I don't, I don't think we, we need to change. We just have to strengthen it. You know? okay. So it's a question of... Um, I, I like for, for, the, for the athlete to discover uh, who and what they want to be and use all the demands to become such a person. So uh, you prepare them by maybe when they are not as ex- expert, when they're not as experienced, to kind of give them this is what's going to happen and how you want to deal with that uh, so that you can be true to the person that you want to be. Not necessarily the person you are, um, but the person you want to be. And then we go into that direction. So give them the tools to be able to deal with that. At the end of the day, it's really a, a way of acting, behaving, uh, in a way that at the beginning might be a little, if you want, even artificial, but true to your mm. beliefs and your values until it becomes more um, natural. But it is because you want to be that way. You're not acting a part that you don't want to act. It's you act the part that you want to act. And do you talk about stuff outside of tennis too with the, with the players or those athletes that you work with yes so uh, if you uh, within the Italian Federation we also have um, I, I deal more with the performance side of uh, if you want the mental aspect and the, the character side of it but we have also psychologists that work on the well-being of the person so that the athletes have uh, uh, all these resources that they can uh, that they can use and uh, it's interesting all the all, all of them they bought into it and so they they take advantage of the resources they seek them and uh, now they know how to use them. on top of that um, we work very close to all the teams of the top ones so try to help them form the team when they're young and then add the pieces that mm. they need and then uh, more expert if you want more older people that are trying to mentor even the coaches and the 
the strength and conditioning coaches, the mental coaches. So there is like a, um, a, a desire to build and support the team to do what they do better than anyone else. So I think I think that's a lot of it is being is yeah. buying into it because yeah. you're accepting it. Yeah. yeah. Talk talking about tennis in particular. You've been around the sport a very long time. Having with how physical it's gotten, and so many players are getting stronger. Um, how does that demand on the physical body affect the emotions? Oh, very much so. You know, as you know, uh, the, the stronger, the fitter uh, you are, uh, the more emotionally, I like to say, en route you are. Right. So the moment you start feeling vulnerable physically then obviously the emotions start kicking in. Mm -hmm. So I believe that athletes, tennis players need to uh, train like they do in all the areas and each area impacts the other. So if you're strong emotionally, probably um, you will be able to uh, absorb the demands of the sport better. But if you train well and you do everything you need to do daily, uh, then you build the competencies that makes you better and therefore emotionally stronger. Are there any training tips that you would, that are your go-to train tips to train the mind? Yeah, I I like to, you know, very shortly, I like uh, every player to dedicate sometimes before practice or before matches, obviously, to uh, kind of visualize where they're going to perform the conditions, how this condition could impact their emotions. And if they foresee the emotions to be uh, not um, helpful, then they have to create strategies of behaviors, uh, actions, even facial expressions, uh, physiological strategies with breathing and how they move into the space, and obviously what I call the coaching voice, which is a deliberate inner voice that somehow encourages and supports you uh, to overcome all these challenges. And then during, uh, we talk a lot about phases in between points, what to do in those 25 seconds or the changeovers, uh, how to deal with them uh, with specific actions and specific uh, way of thinking and physiologically with the breathing and such. And then obviously uh, very important is what we do after because after every practice or after every match, it's very important to debrief, to capture the experience that just happened out there so that instead of just kind of you know, maybe you lose the match and want to talk about it. Uh, we give times and then uh, we discuss what went well, what didn't go so well, what we can do better next time. And so that every every single solitary uh, practice or match uh, is, is captured. And so the uh, experience of a player uh, moves, moves forward faster. And how much are you focused in those moments, whether it's before a match, during or mm-hmm. pre or after the match? Um, do you feel like has to be positive or do you encompass all of it whether they want to you know because sometimes you want to speak what didn't go well but that's not always the best I don't know you're the pro I think think it has to be realistic Uh, it doesn't have to be positive just because it has to be positive you know uh, everything needs to be addressed Uh, however I think at the end you have to feel optimistic so even though it was a maybe a match where you didn't play so well, you lost, and uh, there's not a lot to find that can be positive. I think after the analysis, you want to finish uh, excited about the journey ahead and motivated to continue you know, investing in yourself. You mentioned, also mentioned visualization, yeah. which I loved. How, how much do you feel like that's really powerful? Because I've been told you have to not picture it as you're watching yourself in a movie, but actually feel the experience. Mm-hmm. What, what would you yeah, suggest? Uh, I, I think maybe the better word is imagery, uh, which is uh, multi-senses. 
Okay, multi-senses, so, yeah. Okay. Multi-sensory, yeah. So it's not just visualization. It's your eye, yeah. you feel your body, you feel, you know, the, the, the um, hearing. And, and so you, you kind of get all that. And uh, I think it's, it's very, very important. I don't necessarily, in tennis, I don't think it's very important to visualize a perfect scenario uh, where you execute the perfect shot that, that there is a space for that too what what i care more is about imagining the condition that you're going to deal with so for example if you are about to play a match in a very hot environment with a lot of wind and an upside crowd I, I don't think it makes any good to visualize a perfect scenario you know i would like for you to imagine that and be prepared to deal with that so that kind of imagery is the one that I focus on the most. But uh, I think in, uh, in the context of technical execution, the, the, there is a, a lot of work that can be there, done there too, which not necessarily I spend a lot of time with, but there are experts that can do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you also, you work with more than just tennis athletes, right? Yes. You work with um, musicians, I, other I, sports. Yes, yes. yes. I, I find that very cool. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I enjoy it a lot. What is what? What are some big differences and and how how are the challenges for working with different athletes and musicians what are those challenges in each yeah group? you know uh, as, as you said I, I love it too because um, when I when I uh, start working with an athlete of a sport that is not mine I come from tennis you know I I need to learn about it I need to learn the dynamics I need to learn the rules you know if I don't know them and uh, the physiological efforts of it and, and I think that every sport has been designed with some sort of a characteristic that wants to develop. So there are team sports, obviously, and individual sports, and there are sports where you cannot make mistakes, like archery or, or, or trap shooting. Um, there are sports where if you make a, an error on Thursday, it still count on Sunday, like mm -hmm. golf. Mm -hmm. And there is a sport like tennis where you can make four double faults and you lose your serve, maybe. We might even not because you can hold it and then the next game doesn't count anymore you know you're back to zero zero so I found that um, every sport has a tendency of developing uh, something so they're games you know we learn from games uh, while musicians is, is, is a kind of different story because uh, they compete too by the way um, but at the end I think what do they compete they compete with judges, you know, they, oh, yeah, they play it. pieces, yeah. you know, classical yep. musicians. I was right? going to say, so, what kind of musicians? Classical. classical. And so they have a, their competition with jury, you know, mm. especially when they're young and developing, they uh, choose the, the winners of a performance. That's so nerve-wracking. It is nerve-wracking because you're there by yourself and you have mm. to play, memorize pieces that they are an hour and a half long sometimes. So there's tons of demands on them too. Uh, probably even more nerve-wracking than, than other things. But uh, and, and so at the end for me it is just learning a little bit about the dynamics but the same concept that I apply to a tennis player apply to a cellist. That's um, what I was going to ask. It's not yeah. a lot of difference. It's not a lot of same difference. Thing. Okay. Yes. And what, what about the response from the athletes from the musicians as far as accepting this information and mm -hmm. being able to absorb it all what mm -hmm. what's been the biggest Im impact do you feel like um i i think it's, it's very interesting because I, I i tell them look you know i i'm not a musician i love music but i'm not a musician <laughs> i come from tennis you know so 
uh, I, I share with them the experience that I have in the space that I have, and I ask them to help me apply to them. So, you know, it's very honest, very open. Sometimes maybe I don't say the right thing, but they are actually eager to explain mm -hmm. to me what they can take out of my information and what they can't. Uh, and so we, at the end, we grow together, you know, and so it's beautiful. How, how much of that is just allowing yourself to be vulnerable? It's very is that, big. Is that, um, yeah. so, so it is about the, the more you know yourself, the better it is, you know. So it's a process of getting to know yourself. So um, if you know your uh, strength and if you know where you are a little bit weak or vulnerable, as you said, I think, I think it's, it's very, very important. That's why I don't think being positive per se is a good idea. I think you have to be realistic. Okay. And when you feel like you have some... Uh, vulnerability that moves you emotionally is very important for you to um, recognize the emotions that you feel that make you vulnerable and then accept them as as basically they're happening but it's not my choice I didn't choose to be nervous for example uh, and then you have to have a strategy to replace let's say nerves with uh, other emotions that they are more functional to performance like what like what for example for example believe in yourself or yeah. determination to problem solve or okay, but how do you do this? How there. do you believe in yourself? Because it's easy to say I'm just gonna believe in myself yeah. but it's obviously well, really like hard to, to do. Yeah, no, what I like to, to tell them, look, you know, there is confidence. A lot of people talk about confidence. Uh, confidence can be um, based on skills or on sensations, feels. Like when you were playing, I'm sure that there were days you felt the forehand really well. Yeah. And you feel confident on the forehand, you know. And, but that's not the confidence that I'm looking for. You know, the confidence that I like, which is the self-confidence, or it is about knowing, in my opinion, knowing that you have the, the, the competencies and the tools to solve your problems. So that you're not afraid of problems. You, you know that if something happens, you know what you have to do. Uh, and I think that's the ultimate confidence. You know, when we go into a match, knowing that probably I'm going to face adversity. As a matter of fact, I welcome them because that's what competition is all about. And, and I know what I need to do in the event that this adversity comes. I feel like you are less vulnerable than if you are just hoping for a perfect mm -hmm. scenario. And then, I mean, I've mentioned a couple times already, yeah. you've been around this for a long time. Uh -oh. I know you started with Jim Lair. Yes, of course. Um, who was a huge influence yeah, absolutely. on you. What, what was many. his biggest influence on you? Well, he chose that I became what I am. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I was a tennis coach. I coached tennis players, uh, you know, as, as you remember, yes. uh, all, all around on tour. And, and one day he told me, look, you know, I've... I want you to become basically my right-hand right man when it comes down to training athletes on the performance side. And, uh, and I told him, look, you know, that's not exactly what I had in mind. <laughs> that's not what, what I had planned to do, but let's see. Let's see. And uh, I, I asked him to help me, and he did. He's been a great, great force in my life. Yes. And, the, and from, when was that? When did you first start working with him? I, I worked with Dr. Lur for about 20 years, uh, from 96, 96 yeah. to 20 years later, yeah. so 2016, yeah. um, at the Human Performance Institute in Orlando, Florida. Mm. And, uh, um, but I, I did probably the first 10 years I was working as a... The, the coach that was taking care right. of the players, traveling with them as a tennis coach. Then the second part of my career started, so about 15 years ago. And it's inter I'm curious how you feel like 
it's changed mm-hmm. to this point. Do, do, has your role changed because the sport gets better, everything gets better? There's now a lot of sports psychologists mm-hmm. around. There's a lot of talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, has that changed how you have approached everything, or has it has been pretty standard from the beginning? Yeah, I, I, I feel that when I... I, I, when I was a coach, okay, at the institute, because of Dr. Lur, we yeah. had a, a team of psychologists there, um, and I, and as a coach, I wasn't very fond of how we were working in that space. I thought it was uh, more based on uh, some discussions here and there that made the athletes feel very good. Um, but then when we were on the road, all those discussions kind of faded away and then we were back to square one. So to me, uh, it was important to create some sort of a training, a daily training, some sort of a daily operations that reflect what we do on court or in the gym. We had to do something for the mental, emotional aspect as well. Uh, and so I think this approach, which is the approach of the mental coaches, so-called, uh, I think has created more practical, more exciting way to do it, um, but doesn't substitute the work that also is done uh, periodically with uh, with, with, the, with the, uh, just the pure psychologists or so. So I feel like when I, when I, when I was playing, when I started playing myself, um, we were not doing fitness when we were very mm. kid, very young. So fitness became a staple. Every athlete right now does uh, strength and conditioning, prehabbing, rehabbing, and so. I think I think the mental emotional aspect is 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 getting there mm. too. It's getting there too. And then just because I just keep thinking science in general, it's mm-hmm. always we're always learning new things and about the human body or the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, what excites you, I guess, is there anything that you've noticed or read mm-hmm. or discovered that excites you about how you can push for further? Yeah, well, so many, many years ago, but not that many, okay, not that many, uh, so I was already alive, as a matter of fact, we were uh, under the impression that the brain could not change. Ah, yes, I you know. You know, that was a... What is it, neuroplasticity right, or something? Yeah. Right, and, uh, and many people still believe that, uh, strangely, because now it's about 30, 40 years, has been proven that actually the brain can modify its own mm. structure to accommodate new needs and, uh, and conditions. So. Um, the idea that if you were born one way, you have to kind of stay that way for your entire life uh, is, is not any longer valid. And so as a person that comes from coaching, which is kind of improving skill of someone, uh, that excites me. So I feel that is our, um, our responsibility, our you know, place to help athletes and people in general improve. And, and now we know we can, and, and we have to just kind of get better and better on how we do it. And how do you, how do you work on yourself on a daily basis? Because you've obviously done this for yeah. many, yeah. you know, you've worked on yourself for many of years. Course. I mean, what do you do, what's your daily routine? Um, I like to, I like to um, well, one of the things that I do every day is, um, I, I, I would say meditate, but it's, a, it's, it's too big of a word. I, I just think about how privileged uh, I am or people around me are you know how lucky we are and and I think I, I really think about gratefulness and uh, and uh, to me it's, it's amazing how good of a life we live right with all the little right. issues that yeah. we have so so that is very helpful to me um, some breathing here and there when uh, and, breathing uh, and exercises 
see from yeah. from some you know here and there when I feel like I need it. But um, writing writing helps a lot. You know, it put in order in your thoughts whenever you have some thoughts that are involuntary and come in. There's nothing you can do about it. But uh, writing down the way you, you want to think instead, I think, is extremely valuable. And. Uh- I'm a book lover. Okay. So any books you would recommend that have really wowed you? Ah, uh, yeah. No, there are many now. My <laughs> you memory... might make a list for no, me. But let, let's see if I can give you a list too. Uh, besides all Dr. Lear's book, which I would <laughs> <laughs> recommend. Course. And I'm not joking. Actually, they're great. Uh, I would say Mindset of uh, Carol Dweck is big. Mm-hmm. Um, the Talent Code Yes. Yeah. Don't ask me who wrote it because I would no, not I read remember. It, yeah. Yes, um, McGonigal uh, as an author is very, very good. And um, you know, some Italian. I'm sure that there are some Italian yes, authors that yes. they're great, right? Yes, of course. Yes. Well, I'm <laughs> but gonna... I, I think sometimes, look, you know, in my opinion, and I take it the way you want, but The Old Man and the Sea of Hemingway is a great, yeah. great book for mental, yeah. mental and competitive development. Do you, do you, have you read that more than once? Many times. Many times. Yeah. Well yeah. yeah. It's, it's a true competitive book yeah. about like man against yeah. against the shark. Yeah. Uh, actually, <laughs> well against said. the swordfish. Very yeah. well said. Well, I'm gonna end there because, and I'm gonna say we are very grateful. <laughs> Me too. That you had that you spent this time with us. So thank you so much. A great insight. Thank you. Thank you, Jill. Thank you for having me. <laughs>